welcome to 2022 and what an exciting upcoming year I have planned for us. Thanks for joining me and listening to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Octave, the Integrative Clinician. This year, the focus is going to be on Octave's method. I will discuss seven strategies to heal thy mind and how you can develop, implement, and strategize a plan to bring you towards wellness, happiness, and success. The Octaves Method is a simple way to talk about an integrative plan using my last name. There are seven strategies. One, O is for observation. This will address one's spiritual health. Two, C is for compassion, to manage one's ego health. Three, T is for therapy, to address mental and emotional health. Four, A is for animals, to address playful, childlike behaviors, and also considering animals and pets to support this process. Five, V is for victuals, one's nutritional health. Six, E is for exercise, one's physical health. And seven, S is for socialize, relational health, primarily focusing on yourself and less with others. As you listen over the following months, you will learn how symptoms associated with anxiety, depression, trauma, ADHD, and even autism can be managed in an integrative fashion. You have many options in how you choose to listen. You may decide to get a pen and a pencil and take some notes. You may choose to listen while engaged in another activity like walking, cleaning the house, maybe even driving, but be mindful of safety, especially during our meditation episodes. You may also choose to listen to episodes in part or binge watch them on a particular day. You have options and however you choose, thanks for your support. So let's get started. psychological, mental health, or legal advice. Although I am a licensed professional, this is intended for information only and not as a formal treatment. By listening, you are agreeing to these terms. You should seek a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness, happiness, and success. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. We had a brief review of the Octaves Method the last few weeks. I also encourage you to get the book, my book, Heal the Mind, Seven Strategies Towards Mental Wellness, Success, and Happiness.
Now, I would like to start a new round of the octaves method. Let's review again. O is for observation. This practice is about cultivating your relationship with God. This practice is about your spirit and rediscovering this aspect. This practice is about meditation. This practice is about breathing. For some, this practice is about religion and religion is a distraction for others. I thought this episode should include trauma. You know, the stuff I specialized in over the past 20 years. I have talked about little T and capital T traumas. I have shared thoughts about and experiences that can be traumatic for one and maybe not for others. However, I think it is essential to talk about spiritual traumas, especially when we're in this, what people refer to as a COVID pandemic. At least that's what the news, CDC and pharmaceutical industry wants us to believe. There is not a lot written about or researched in terms of spiritual traumas. Then the written stuff takes a different look and examines more about the challenges with religion and how this can be traumatic. You know, the things in the news when you see pictures of, let's say, women isolated and tearful because of their faith. The stuff about kids, in particular boys, and maybe the priest. The stories about women being circumcised in other countries. The things about suppressing one's thoughts and behaviors in the name of God. The stuff that happens in Christian churches and general role assignments and sexual expectations. I wanted to explore something different in terms of spiritual trauma. I first understood more about spiritual trauma when I met a young lady. It was on a rainy day when Linda walked into my office. She was of average height, petite, and had long, straight, black hair. Before seeing me, I noticed how flawless her makeup was and how much time and effort she gave. As she entered the office, I immediately felt a sense of sadness. I'm talking about the deep, deep, painful sadness that is overwhelming. It wasn't something that goes noticed by others because she presents very well. It was something that I experienced just being in her presence. Linda was self-referred and located me by some work I did many years ago. She noted she was looking for some answers in her life and felt God was punishing her. She explained that her relationship with God has been problematic most of her life. She noted that early in life, she was born into a family that was abusive, emotionally unavailable, and consumed with drugs and alcohol. She said her community was filled with violence and criminal activity, and there were some unwritten rules she had to live by. Linda explained that her mother sold her to an aunt, Monica, when she was three years old. You see, Monica had other children, but they were all grown up and she wanted a cute little girl in the house. Linda, Linda noted 
that her life continued to be filled with pain. Her sexual abuse began around six years of age by Matthew. This was Monica's husband and her uncle. However, at the time, she believed was her dad. She noted it went on for years. Linda reported incidents of intercourse, and this actually began when she was about nine years of age. She was confused as a child. Can you imagine? But this form of sexual abuse shaped how she perceived herself, the world, and God. Matthew died, and she felt that was God's blessing. She knew the abuse would stop, and she then maybe could move on with her life. However, Monica, in the grieving process, could not function safely. She turned to drugs and overdosed on cocaine shortly after Matthew's death. Linda tried to revive her at the age of 10, but Monica died and Linda felt she was to blame. Then she went into foster care. After many foster homes and group homes and juvenile halls, life had little meaning. She didn't like God. By 12 years of age, she couldn't understand why God would have her experience these things in her life. So she turned to drugs, alcohol, and suicide to end this pattern. She experienced God as hateful and abusive and didn't want anything to do with God, religion, or spirituality. She noted she was an atheist, and if God did exist, Linda did not feel love, celebrated, or special enough in the world she was living in. In my profession, we consider Linda to have post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. If I had worked with Linda, Linda when I was a newbie, I would have considered probably developmental and complex traumas as well. Developmental traumas impact a child during essential developmental stages and can often be the source of where treatment begins. Sometimes you help your client grow up developmentally with love, compassion, and celebrating their lives. Just think about your childhood. Did you have birthday parties? Did you get gifts from others that made you feel special? Did you get excited about growing older? Then there's this stuff about complex trauma. These traumas happen throughout your childhood. There are multiple incidents, so the mind, body, and spirit gets confused and sometimes clusters all these experiences together. Complex traumas include more than one form of trauma. Yes, Linda would fit into these categories. Then as a clinician, I would develop a treatment plan to address the sexual abuse, abandonment, depression, attachment, neglect, maltreatment, physical abuse, and emotional abuse that happened early in childhood for her. Let's not forget the grief and loss concerns associated with discovering your parents or your extended family members, the death of the abuser, and then the death and the loss of not being able to resuscitate a loved who you believed at the time was your mom. All this would give Linda a PTSD diagnosis. 
uh-uh, I would have missed something so significant, the spiritual trauma. There are many things about trauma and spiritual trauma cuts down to the core of who you are. For Linda, this impacted her purpose. This is one of the most challenging treatment goals, but it is also something avoided within my profession. To all those in the mental health field, are you asking your clients more than just what religion they are? Are you genuinely being curious about your client's relationship with spirit? Are you curious about your client's meaning of life, purpose while on earth, and beliefs about their physical body? You see, Linda has to work through this stuff between her and God. Yes, her aunt too, and yes, her uncle too. They're, they're all factors. But under all of this stuff, the underlying issue, the core, is the stuff with God. Yes, she had to work on the sexual abuse and had to perceive these experiences a little differently. But she mostly worked on the whys with God. Yes, she had to work on death, but it was her stuff with God and finding the meaning of life underlying all of this. Linda is like many people out there, maybe even you. On some level, I'm sure you can relate to Linda's struggle to understand the why stuff with God. Linda would not have made the progress she made until she was open to tackling this in psychological treatment. I have heard some pretty interesting situations where families have put their children through resulting in this spiritual trauma. Some children still experience a form of exorcism. Many children are silent and ultimately feel their voice is not important enough to be heard. There are ch children given blood to purify the body. There are children forced to read the Bible and have to confess their role in the abuse done onto them as a form of confession? Crazy, huh? Now, I'm seeing more about forced medical shots, known as the COVID vaccines. For me, it is against my beliefs and my personal practice of doing what is right and upholding truth and justice. I have read research and I still have many unanswered questions for the CDC and the FDA, along with some of the pharmaceutical industries, but I kind of dismiss them at times. This goes against my spirit and my religion. The extent of these forms of practices is a spiritually traumatic. A spiritual trauma is something that disrupts the connection between the mind-body-spirit interconnection. This disruption forces the person out of balance. This imbalance makes one more vulnerable to situations and experiences where different traumatic experiences can occur. You become more susceptible. You become more vulnerable. I'm not an expert when it comes to spiritual traumas. I know it is essential to develop a mental wellness plan. I do know that. And I still do work with spiritual traumas because I do it in my assessment phase and help getting to the underlying 
root of the issue. So if you are stuck here, ask for help. Knowing real help is available when you are ready to receive it. If you feel there is some spiritual stuff going on after listening to this podcast, then get ready, get prepared, and start working on this stuff. Here are some questions you can ask yourself about spiritual trauma. One, are you working on your relationship with God? Two, are you getting to know God in a way unlike before? Are you getting to know God in a new way unlike before? Three, do you feel loved, safe, trusting, and celebrated by something outside of yourself? Four, do you feel loved, safe, trusting, and celebrated by something within? Five, are you able to forgive freely? Let me ask, let me say that one more time. Are you able to forgive freely? I'm talking about everyone in all situations. Six, do you believe there is something more for you after your physical body dies? If you responded no to any of these questions, then there's some work you can do. The resources are limited in terms of spiritual support. I am hesitant to suggest finding a guide, a guru, a priest, priestess, a pastor, a monk, or even a psychotherapist. This spiritual stuff is tricky and everyone is different. I suggest you start with you, that you look deep within to find the answer, to ask upon God and listen, listen, listen to the messages you receive. I was persistent and although I was sent down different paths in my own life on my own journey, these paths got me to the place of a spiritual connectedness, which is where I sit now. I hope this information was helpful to many people. If you are a professional, I hope you are doing your work so your spiritual traumas don't flow out to your clients. I hope as a professional, you are spiritually grounded in a place where you can be supported and do no harm. As a person struggling with spiritual traumas, I hope you stay persistent, learn to listen with a different ear, and continue to seek the truth as you develop your relationship with God. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Octave. I am a licensed clinical social worker in California and Nevada. Please share this podcast with others. Like if there's a button to do so and subscribe to my channel. This lets me know the work is valuable and I will continue to share simple techniques to move you towards wellness, happiness, and success. I will end by saying, in order to successfully complete the journey of life, everyone needs to evolve spiritually. Ancient Kemetic Proverb.
last week was the second round of O for Observation. I wrote about some ideas associated with spiritual trauma. It was exciting for me to put these ideas out there. Also, on some level, I continued the conversation about trauma and how it is more than a car accident, sexual abuse, going to war, or having a near-death and terrifying experience. Spiritual trauma is an experience, and the mind, body, spirit is activated for long periods. This can move you towards illness, or if you choose, can move you towards wellness. If you are a mental health professionals, consider this in your assessment. If you are experiencing a spiritual trauma, ask for help to help process those experiences with a trained professional. Now, as we continue to move on, we will explore C for compassion. I have shared previously that compassion involves caring for yourself. I enjoy using journals and I do write on my own as well. I wanted to share with you another idea about compassion, although mm, it's this stuff that I talk about in terms of forgiveness. Yes, forgiveness. It involves letting go of experiences with others, forgiving yourself for choices, reactions, and triggers. Let me give some examples of these ideas. We have all shared experiences in the past and we wanted things to turn out differently. You can consider a moment in the past when you made a choice. This choice resort, resulted in other people, let's say, reacting in some way. The experience could involve doing or saying something to yourself. Maybe that's out of your character. You felt the experience was about the other person. They made you do something out of your personality. You reacted to them then instead of understanding the choice you made as a learning opportunity, opportunity, you internalize the experience. The way this internalization process is internalized could lead one towards depressive symptoms. I wanted to think of an example that may be able, or in some way that you may be able to relate to on some level. So if you are a parent, Recall a time when your child did something or acted in some way, acted somehow. And an example may be you're at a store and your child wants a toy or a candy. You tell him no, then he grabs it anyways. You say to him in various ways that he's not getting the toy. He starts to get agitated. He starts yelling and screaming and kicking his feet. You try to hold your ground. You believe that there's two choices going on right now. To give him the toy, to avoid your son's just disruptive behavior. Or two, you have a firm no and ignore the screaming, looks from others, and embarrassment that may be experienced in this situation. These small moments within the mind, body, and spirit tells you, judges you, for either choice you make. For some, you start to have feelings of being a bad parent. You start to judge yourself as your parent. You're conflicted. 
And it isn't easy to get out of this situation, especially when the irrational thoughts just start racing and bracing and bracing in the mind. I saw this exact situation play out at Target one early morning. The mom was getting increasingly frustrated and I noticed the nonverbal and verbal way she was trying to communicate with her son. She chose the firm no. No, I said no. No, you're not listening. No. This worked at least initially. Her son began his reactive processes. As his intensity increased, there was the battle between the two of them. After some time of her son's continued behavior, the mom, she just decided to give him the toy. It was a small action figure. I think it was Spider-Man or something. The crying stopped and mom was able to continue the shopping. During my observation, I noticed mom went into a panic. She was embarrassed and ashamed by feeling that the moment with her son was uncomfortable and she had to make a choice. Her choice though made her feel as if she was a bad parent. You could see it. It was in her energy. It was in her disposition. Her choice made her experience that there are struggles as a parent. Her choice made it appear as if she was focused on her son and not the internal dialogue. In a situation like this, your choices are not just A or B. The good part is that you can make a choice that involves your healing. It took some time for me to figure this out when my children were younger too. I too, have been in the same situation. I used to make both choices, A or B. Then there were, there were many times where I had the firm no. Then there were times when I just gave in because of embarrassment or shame. When I learned in my own healing, what I learned in my own healing in this process was compassion. Let me say that one more time. What I learned in my own healing and moving towards wellness was compassion, compassion for me. Now I will say things are different. I understand that my children may have needs expressed directly. I can choose to engage my child on their level, thinking that there's only this like A and B option. Another perspective is acknowledging and appreciating what I'm experiencing at this moment. If I am well nourished, energized, sleeping well, and compassionate with myself, these events and others like them, it's not about my child, but it's going to provide me useful information about me, the stuff that I like. It is not the choice that I make. Do I do the A or B? It is usually my stuff at this moment. If I am moving towards wellness, I am patient kind and understand that every choice I make is through love. It is still about me if I am struggling and I may react or feel triggered, putting me out of balance. This is all to say, if you take care of yourself, let me repeat that. If you take care of yourself, experiences like these will be appreciated differently. It becomes an indication to you that you may need to work on something, 
such as consistently having a consistent sleeping schedule. It may be an indication that you may need more movement, exercise in your body. It indicates that foods you eat activate thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and reactions. It means there is a need to be more grounded, do more meditation, laugh, and have an internal dialogue filled with compassion. Let's look again at the same scenario. You are at the store and your child wants a toy. In the past, you made a choice and that choice brought about some negative feelings about yourself. I am suggesting that you work to change this experience by being compassionate. On day one, I give the child my toy, or I give the child the toy, not because of his disruptive behaviors, but because I am tired and see exciting anxiety building up in him. I don't feel bad about myself. I feel good. I'm learning to let things go. I feel good about myself for recognizing that I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Oh, I'm hungry. And sometimes I'm going to make life a little easier in the moment. He just may get the toy and then I'm letting it go. And that's it. On day two, I don't give the toy to my child and his disruptive behaviors continue. Although the anxiety may build up, I think to myself, I don't let it consume me. I recognize it is there. I tell myself, this is a little uncomfortable for me. How does it feel for me to be in this situation? Everyone looking and staring. I sit in the uncomfortable and recognize it as my growth. I appreciate I am growing not because I said no to my son, but because I am building my capacity to be uncomfortable. I am creating awareness of what is going on with me at this moment. I am building the foundation that supports and comforts me in this process. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. It should be noted that the focus was not on my son, but it was on me. My son was not doing something to me in the store. I was doing something to myself at that moment. I was blaming him and not growing. I am suggesting keeping the focus on you. I am suggesting doing this from a place of compassion. As you develop your mental wellness plan, this is your way to learn and discover more stuff about you from a space of kindness. Over time, as you practice keeping the focus on yourself, it gets easy. Remember, that is a practice. And if you wait until the anxiety is already high, it's going to be too difficult to keep the focus on you. We usually resort back to our old patterns. And it's possibly going to result in a reaction to your son's behavior. No, it's a practice. So start now when things are calm and you can go through your daily life keeping the focus on yourself. Let's consider the intensity of emotions that arise on freeways. There is traffic when you are driving in a car. You notice irritability growing inside of you. 
ask yourself, what's going on with me? Take notice of yourself, not the traffic, not the driver that cut you off, but you. What feelings are being experienced? What sensations are activated within the body? Where is this coming from? Are you practicing the steps in your wellness plan? Or, or are you stressed causing you to move away from wellness and towards illness? This is how traffic used to go for me. Oh, Tanya, I'm sitting here in traffic. I will be late. What is going on? Is there an accident or something? Hey, Tanya, Tanya, are you moving towards wellness or illness? Breathe, breathe, nuh-uh, breathe. Slow it down, stop, stop. Okay, look around, Tanya. What is going on for you? What do you notice? Ah, there it is. I'm working on patience. I need to slow down. There's no rush. I'll get there when I'm supposed to arrive. This, this traffic stuff, it's all beyond my control. Ah, but it's an excellent opportunity to look within. So, I'm feeling a little impatient. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling stressed. Why? I don't need to go anywhere. But when things don't go as planned, I get this way, huh? Mm. Why? I struggle with patience myself. I'm making stress arise now, and it's not needed. Hmm. Why though? I put pressure on myself to do more, to be more. Why? Uh-oh. Breathe. Breathe, slow down. My body is calmer. My mind is focused on me. I'm working on patience. And once I get it down, I will not feel impatient. I will not worry. I'll not be stressed. Okay. Okay. I can control this because I control my thoughts, behaviors, and feelings. These are moments when I struggle with patience. This is one of those moments, but I got this because I keep the focus on me. So, how does that sound to you? Is this a practice you can try and try and try? Traffic was an absolute chaotic experience if you knew me in my 20s and early 30s. I would zigzag 
in and out of traffic. I had little regard for others and only focused on going as fast as possible. I cut people off, changed lanes with little notice, and always felt that driving was a race. Now, I'm not a slow driver. That's not what this is about. It's about keeping the focus on me. So when I have moments, I slow down and I work through the moments. It is within these moments that there is growth. I sit in traffic now and I immediately put something I've wanted to listen to and there's no stress. There are even times I'm hoping for traffic so I can finish an audiobook, a podcast, lecture, or even an album. I move from this craziness with traffic towards experience this as an opportunity to enjoy. Wow, traffic is now an opportunity for me to enjoy. I just wanted to reflect a little bit on the process of asking the why questions. And this is where psychotherapy or something equivalent can help you sort out the internal dialogue. If you stay within the internal dialogue without having a professional to guide you through the process, you will get caught up in your own thoughts because the ego will want you to believe what it wants to believe so that it can survive. So I encourage you Although in the moment you're asking why questions, you're truly not going to understand that without reflecting on that um, with a, psych a psychotherapist or something equivalent. I hope you can see how some of this stuff is done. Now you can start to work on this for yourself. So here's a simple assignment. As you go through life, start to ask yourself, what is going on with me? Why am I reacting in this way? Is this purposeful at this moment? Or is it causing me unwanted stress? Before we can make changes, we must bring things into our awareness. Even when friends and family told me, it took me time to realize my traffic experiences. I am working on patient and now I am patient. I control my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and therefore I look within. There are rare moments when I'm in traffic and feel agitation arising because I need to work on patience, but it still slips out every once in a while. Remember, it's my process, and I engage in the process with self-compassion. When these agitations do occur, I keep the focus on myself. There will be a day when I'm driving in traffic and you look at me and see me smiling and laughing <laughs> and having a peaceful, delightful and energetic time in my car. I know the same thing can happen to you if you do the work and reflect what's going on with me at this moment. What feelings am I experiencing? What sensations are arising in my body? Where is this coming from? What does it feel like to sit in this uncomfortability without trying to change? Remember, 
You must understand something deeply and decide what you want to do. You may wish to change this part of you. You may want to keep it as it may be helpful and have a purpose meaning for you in that moment. I wanted to also share that my book has been released. You can purchase it on Amazon, Heal the Mind, Seven Strategies Towards Mental Wellness, Happiness, and Success. I will attach the link in the write-up. Thank you for listening.